Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 376th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic, whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food. And I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. Today on our podcast, we have someone who focuses on preparing meals with gut health in mind. We're talking with Hillary Boynton about her job and the lunch lady. Hillary is a certified holistic health counselor with a BA in psychology from the University of Virginia and trained at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Inspired by her experience of food as medicine, she dedicated herself to helping others on their path to wellness as a cook, coach, and professional educator. Seeing our chronic global health problem opened her eyes. The lessons she learned along the way helped her to fuel her project, Live Yum Yum, and inspired her to co-author the best-selling Heal Your Gut cookbook released in September of 2014. Hillary's passion and determination to empower people to take control of their own health and prevent disease is tireless. Plus, along the way, she has earned the title of the lunch lady. Welcome to the show today, Hillary. Are you ready to rock gut health? You 
bet. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Sure. Well, it's kind of a story going back about 15 years, my health journey, I guess. Now looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, or more, maybe like 18, when I really sort of started to wake up to something was going on with my health. I was one of those people that fell hook, line, and sinker for fat-free in my high school days, and my mom fell for it, and my sister, and I just thought that was the answer to everything, and so I cut fat pretty much completely out of my diet, as much as I could anyway. And I was an athlete, and, you know, using my body, like, you know, burning lots of calories and just replenishing with nothing that good, and now looking back, I can't even believe what I did, but then went on for probably, like, you know, well into my 20s, so 26 or so, I got married at 25, and then at 26, I had trouble having babies. I couldn't hold a pregnancy. So I had four miscarriages over three years. And that was like a really, really painful time in my life. Because I was like, I'm so young. And why would this be happening to me? And then I ended up having triplets through in vitro. And then two more came shortly after that. So I had five kids in four years. They were natural. So I do know looking back, yes, that stress played a role in there too. And it wasn't really until I had my babies that like, I think I was just actually commenting with somebody yesterday about this, that when people have children, that's when often things shift because all of a sudden you're, it's like when they're pregnant or trying to get pregnant or having children, it's like all of a sudden you're responsible for another human or several humans. And you're like, oh my gosh, like I have to make sure they're okay too. So it's not just like, you know, we can abuse our own bodies, but now here it's like we have to take care of somebody else. So that's when I really started to wake up and I wanted to feed them well and I made all their own baby food. I mean, I made several mistakes from like just microwaving formula and like, I don't even know, vaccinations that I wish I hadn't done so early. And I didn't know anything. Right. And I just trusted what my pediatrician told me to do. And not that it was any ill intention on his part. They weren't the choices I would make today, knowing what I know. And then when I had my fourth baby, he was covered at two months in eczema, head to toe. So he was scratching every night for two hours. I'd have to pin him to my body and I had these three three three-year-olds and then shortly thereafter I was pregnant with my fifth baby so it was kind of a nightmare in my house and I tried everything to heal him. I wanted to heal him naturally but I eventually ended up putting him on Zyrtec twice a day and steroid cream because this family friend of ours who was a pediatrician was just like you have to put this baby on steroid cream. So I did and he was a little bit better and but I knew as soon as I didn't put on the steroid cream that his eczema flared again so I knew something was going on in side of him. And it was actually, it's funny, I've just reflected on this in the last month that as soon as I had the triplets, I sort of discovered Jamie Oliver and Alice Waters and had said, I want to change the school lunches, even though my babies were babies. But I was just got passionate about that. And there was a woman in town that somebody hooked me up with and said, if you want to do that, she tried to do it before you took up with her. And that's Kristen Canty, who wrote and directed Farmageddon, and which you may have heard of. It's a great oh, yeah. documentary. So I went to her house, and we were talking about school lunches, and she was mentioning Weston Price this and Weston Price that, which is, I'm sure you're familiar, but an organization centered around food and ancient traditions and stuff. I didn't know what she was talking about. But anyway, she said, you got to get this kid on raw milk, bottom line. I'm like, what the hell is raw milk? But I didn't care. I was like, I'll try anything. And so, you know, we had this, like, underground co-op where we were getting <laughs> right. raw, raw dairy. Milk. And yeah. She and her family would pick up the milk for me, and then I took my turn, and I was 
was like, I remember I was driving to Boston and or Cambridge and I had five kids in the back and I drove up to this like chain link fence and then like a padlocked shed and I opened it up and there was just a fridge in there with all this raw dairy. I'm like, oh my God, what is going on here? It was like contraband. <laughs> right. But I was just like so bizarre that I had to go to that level to get this food. I put him on raw milk and cod liver oil and he was like completely healed in a very short time, like months, like a couple months. And so at that point, I was just like, wow, real food healed my child when everybody else said differently. I saw Sally Fallon speak, who's the founder of the Weston Price Foundation. Nope. And I walked out of her speech and there was the Amish all lined up. And I like was like, oh my gosh, Amish people. And, and they needed someone to run a co-op. And so I ran their co-op for six years in Massachusetts and then just got really into health and wellness and wanted to spread the word and shout from the rooftop. So I started teaching cooking classes and educating my community. And then, and we have a daughter with epilepsy. So I was always on a quest to find something to help her. And that's when I came across the GAPS diet. And I had seen Natasha Campbell McBride, who's the founder, the creator of the GAPS diet, which is the gut and psychology syndrome. So the gut brain connection. I'd heard her speak a couple times and felt completely overwhelmed. But then I met with this medical intuitive who said, you guys need the GAPS diet. And so we jumped in like with two feet, like a week later, as I was teaching cooking classes, a woman in my class was also on the GAPS diet. And we were both completely confused. And there wasn't enough information on the web and everything was conflicting. And so she had said, we need to write a cookbook. And she's a photographer. I said, we do. So we pitched a cookbook to a publishing company and got a deal and just dove into that, you know, while I was on the GAPS diet. <laughs> nice. What, what a way to do it. You're experimenting along the way. Yeah, I mean, literally, I look back, I'm like, how did we do that? But she's one of those people, Mary Brackett, who's just like meticulous and very organized. And I'm not that way. She's very creative, too. But I was like the chef and coming up with the recipes and all that. But it was a great, fun project that looking back, I can't believe we accomplished it. But we did. Literally, as soon as I handed my book over to the publisher to be edited a week later, two weeks later, my husband was diagnosed with throat cancer. So then our whole journey just took like, you know to a whole nother level. It was pretty incredible. And that was 2013. But I knew now at that point that the immune system and gut health played such a role in our health. And I had seen this kind of coming. I was like, he was severely stressed and, you know, making some poor lifestyle decisions. And it was just like, you know, I was kind of waving the red flag, like, buddy, you got to wake up. And then, you know, which I think so often I see people waiting for that wake-up call. They don't change before, you know, they just were like, everything's going to be okay. And then wham, you get that cancer diagnosis. And it's like, oh, yeah. all right, now I have to wake up. I call that the Mack truck moment. You know, looking back, it's just like, oh my God. Like your whole life just turns in an instant. It does. You know, and I know there's so many people that have cancer, and that's why I'm so passionate about this. So much of it is preventable. So we treated it on our own for eight months. We didn't really tell anybody, no family, few friends, but we did everything you could ever imagine from cannabis oil from like South Africa, because it wasn't even known in Massachusetts back then, really. And we did like GCMAF from England and chi therapy and breath therapy and juicing and Gerson and coffee enemas. I mean, you name it, like we tried it. And I do believe we really rebalanced his immune system. Like we've had several confirmations of that, that he's just like, you know, his whole body just shifted and he got stronger. But it was like right in this very bad place in the back of his throat, right by his uvula. And it did get a tiny bit bigger over eight months, but it didn't spread or anything. It just was like not going away. And so we ended up picking up our five kids and moving across the country to Los Angeles 
to seek out a more alternative healing protocol that was like a low-dose radiation with hyperthermia where they heat up the tumor. And just to get out of stress and like a new way of life. And he had a family business that was really stressful. And that's where we landed. And then like as soon as we landed here, two weeks later, my book came out. And so that was trippy because I didn't know anybody and it was just like birthed out, you know, into the world. And here Mm -hmm. I was in Los Angeles. And that was so 2014. He's still here. He has no cancer, but he has terrible side effects from radiation. We're actually going through a divorce, which is really sad. Sorry. But I just see the toll that disease plays on a family and individual. And he'll never eat solid food again. I mean, he can have some little things, but he mostly blends all this food. He has terrible necrosis in his jaw or his jaw basically rotting. He's lost several teeth and he can't open his jaw very wide and has trouble swallowing. It's just, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And Mm -hmm. he's young. He's only 49 and we've spent five years kind of battling, you know, in that dance with cancer. You know, then my kids ended up here in Topanga, California. We moved four, three times in California within LA and we found this great nature-based school here in Topanga. And that's where I saw this opportunity of this, you know, here these people are very connected to the land And actually, the first day we arrived there and and checked out the school, the chef there, there were only like 30 kids at this point. And the chef had like kids that like caught their own fish and cooked it that day. And then she's like, I really want to roast a whole goat. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, this is unbelievable. And so it was like, this is our place. We got to go. So but as the school got bigger, the lunches got outsourced and kind of the food program went downhill a little bit. Step in the lunch lady. And now I'm the lunch lady. So that was the long story, but here I am. And with a great passion that you can now realize or understand where it all comes from. And I'm sure there's yeah. more little healing things in between those, but those are the big kind of markers that, you know, shifted my perspective and keep me really motivated. I mean, my goal is to disrupt the trend of chronic illness in this next generation, you know, by yeah. and keep them out of the medical system. Because once you enter it, it's a nightmare. I call it the death care system. If you're going to go conventional treatment, and it's certainly a personal decision for everybody, you have to believe in what you're doing, but I believe you have to do, you can't be naive and think that you don't have to rebalance your gut health and your immune system, because that's what it's all about. So let's talk about the gut microbiome. What is it, and why should we understand it? Okay, so in layman's terms, I always appreciate that, because I am not a scientist, and what keeps it easy, I feel like, for people to understand is that just to know that we all have good and bad bacteria in our guts. I mean, actually, we're just like all bacteria, basically. We're the same as everything else in nature. We're just a different form, really. So thinking about how things are designed to work, I always think of like, wow, like if you look around in nature, it's like, God, it's miraculous. But then to reflect on our bodies, we're so miraculous and to slice ourselves open and realize that like, wow, all the systems that are going on and working 24-7 to keep us healthy and strong, it's just, it's amazing. And so the microbiome, our gut, we all have good and bad bacteria in our gut. You just want to have a balance so that the good outweighs the bad. Mm-hmm. And what happens, and this is one reason too why I'm so focused on children's health, is that when a baby goes through the birth canal, they swallow a big gulp of what is their first inoculation of gut bacteria, uh-huh. their gut flora. Yeah. And so if I can get these children now to understand this and they have an opportunity to rebalance their guts before giving birth to children or impregnating a woman, you know, 
it's all important because when my book first came out, I think it was like most babies had 287 toxins in their cord blood. So they're toxic to start out with. Then they're inheriting poor gut flora because we're nowhere as diverse down there as like our great grandmothers were. And then they get a vaccine day one or two of life and then they're not breastfed and then they get processed foods and antibiotics and, you know, the thing just goes on and on and they can't catch up. And so that bad bacteria starts to proliferate and win out. And we have these little like hair-like villi, like think of little grass, like a Mm -hmm. layer of grass on the lining of our gut. Yep. As the bad bacteria take over, it wears them down and creates these cracks in the lining. And then food particles and whatnot can get out into the bloodstream and your body is like, whoa, what's that? And sees it as foreign and launches an attack. So it's like an autoimmune response. So people with allergies, like my son who had eczema, or can cross the blood-brain barrier and cause things like ADHD and autism and neurological conditions. And on and on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right? Yeah. So what do we do to improve our gut microbiome? Well, it's fascinating because what I'm learning really is that everyone is so different. That term bio-individuality, and it's so true. And what's also very fascinating is that there seems to be just a lot of like underlying conditions or layers of conditions. So it's really hard for people to get to the bottom of their health sometimes. And that's why the GAPS diet is really, I believe, a great way to do it because it just sets you back to ground zero where then you're like slowly adding things back in and you can see how your body reacts and if it's going to work or if it's not, if that particular food. So when people throw a few things at, you know, trying to improve, like I'm going to remove gluten or I'm going to remove dairy, that might be great for them, but it sometimes just goes so much deeper. I mean, my best advice, I guess, is to sort of evaluate where you are. If you have like a really bad autoimmune condition, you might want to go back to GAPS intro and really just go full on of an elimination diet and starting there. If you're just struggling with a few small issues, you maybe could just change things like removing some offenders like, you know, processed foods and sugar and adding in fermented foods and bone broths and see if things sort of balance out. So various levels, I guess, I would say of what you can do, but certainly getting rid of, I should say, sugar is like the number one enemy to the body, I believe. So that's a great one to cut out. And then processed foods as much as you can. And, you know, for a long time, I felt like grains and bread is the devil. And now when we finished the GAPS diet, I was like, God, if my kids are going to have bread, they're going to be exposed to all that. I was like, I'm going to learn how to make sourdough. Right. So now I've kind of dove into that. And I believe it's totally a different entity than most breads out there. Like it's a 48 hour ferment and it's digested differently. And I use local grains that I mill myself. And so, you know, I've gotten to the point where I feel like once you do rebalance yourself, that you can have this like metabolic flexibility where you don't have to be so rigid. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think it's really important, too, because there's so much rigidity in this confusion of what to eat. Right. I've found that we have to individually figure it out for ourselves. There's not a one-size-fits-all process. Yes. And I would recommend like reaching out to a functional medicine doctor or there's GAPS practitioners all over the world. So you can go to www.gaps.me and you can search a GAPS practitioner in your area. And that was like really valuable 
to us. She came and she tracks you back to like your birth and your health history as the mom and then can see what's going on with your kids or he or she. But it was just so helpful to have that person to hold my hand through the process because it's overwhelming, especially if you don't know how to cook too. I'm really passionate about people getting back in the kitchen and learning to cook. And even if it's starting with the full gaps diet and you're familiarizing yourself with where to get these ingredients and how to make a bone broth. And then when you're ready, you go back and tackle it even further. Perfect. So one of the things that you had asked me to do before we got on this call was to watch a 12-minute video. And when I watched that video yesterday, it literally brought me to tears. What you're up to, I was cheering there as I was watching it. Tell us about that, the school, the lunch lady project and you know tell me a little bit about that so and, and then the link to the video will be in the show notes page okay awesome so glad you liked it it's been a three-year process really of finally actually becoming the lunch lady that was never my intention but i saw the lunches sort of go downhill as they got outsourced and i just kept pushing to the founder of the school it just seemed so off to me that they were so connected to nature yet we were having meats that weren't grass-fed or pasture-raised and you know big white hoagie rolls or you know it just good intentions but it just didn't cross over with the level of nature connection and what they I mean they're so cutting edge and doing amazing things and they've brought me that nature connection I felt like I was so connected to food but have didn't really realize how important nature connection is so I realized like when Dr. Paul one day he's the founder of the school we're at a camping trip and he was standing there we're all in a circle and he was just saying like thanking the redwoods for holding us for the whole week and they're just these amazing trees that have like billions of microbes at their base and you know that keep them healthy and strong and I was just like oh my gosh like you are a redwood you know like we're no different like we're like big tall trees with you know billions of microbes at our base and so realizing that you know we're no different than anything in nature and that same connection needs to be appreciated how we feed ourselves like Mm -hmm. I always say like if you were to pour like a little bit of gasoline around that redwood it probably would be okay and survive but if you continue to do that day after day after day it's going to die so anyway so I kind of started to educate and then I got asked to do a speaker series for them where they have different people come in and speak and they record it and that was a little over a year ago and at that point it kind of clicked I think and he was like oh man we got to get you to work here in some capacity and I was hired as the snack coordinator and the consultant to the lunch lady so I was just I'm writing another book and I was just writing about this how I was like so excited and but I was actually like freaking out because it was 125 snacks a day I'm like I've never made 125 of anything and how am I going to do this and uh-huh you know, how am I going to make bone broth for 125? And But I had all these visions of what could be done. And I sat down with the lunch lady and it's like, oh, we can make bone broth and we can do fermented foods and we can even do organ meats. And she was smiling and agreeing and everything. And I was like, I'm going to order you nourishing traditions. And I gave her my cookbook. And then like a few days later, we like hugged it out and she was excited. And then like a few days later, I got pulled over by Dr. Paul. Like, you can never do that again. Like she was totally <laughs> overwhelmed and like wanted wanted to quit. Like, who is this girl that you're sticking on me? And she's crazy. And so I had to really work very slowly and meet her where she was and she's lovely and you know we got pastured meats in and I would get some things from the farmer's market and just not 
really shifting to the level that I knew was possible. And then, so I was doing the snack and I saw it as an opportunity to show what was possible. So I just went to the farmer's markets like every day that they had one and would get what I could. And anything that was like a bumper cup of zucchini or whatever, I'd bring it back and I'd make like zucchini soup or zoodles or, you know, saute them up or roast them up. And these kids would get a little taste of like something new. And I always had organic pastures was incredible and they donated raw cheese and raw butter and cream to us. So I was introducing them to that, like healthy fats. And I reached out to everybody I knew from like the Western Price Foundation. So like Sandeep from Pure Indian Foods Ghee, like he sent me ghee and Dr. Linda sent me kelp sprinkles that I would put on the popcorn. And then my friend has a red palm oil company from Gambia. That's her family. So I would cook popcorn in that and that would look like movie theater popcorn because the red palm oil. So I just really, like any opportunity to educate, I would have little like chalkboard signs that would say like, you know, do you know what this is? And it would be a chestnut or a hibiscus flower or I'd get like a piece of a local banana tree. And I just was like constantly introducing new foods and the kids were like running to the line and just so excited to see what Miss Hillary had that day. And then one a month I was able to do a harvest meal where I could do the whole lunch. So that's when like I would bring in farmers and just go, I went all out and just did a beautiful farm to school lunch, you know, towards the end of the semester. So as Christmas was approaching, I was sort of pushing like, you know, come on, we got to change it up even more like we can do this. And Dr. Paul, you know, was resistant and I, you know, maybe we'll start next year. And he was struggling with some health stuff. And I was like, what are we waiting for? You know, my story, these kids need this nutrition now. Like, why would we wait another eight months? I'm ready. I mean, as much as I now looking back was like, oh my God, I didn't know what I was doing to be running a whole lunch system, but I was like, I'm ready. So the day of Christmas vacation, he's like, okay, you got the job. And it was like, it was intense because he had to like let somebody go and, you know, she was a friend of his. And so it was a lot. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, great. But I had five days to get ready for Christmas for five children. And then my husband took the kids off to Massachusetts for a week and I had a week to essentially open a restaurant for like 70 people. It's been the most intense time from December until now. I feel like now I'm finally like, oh, I Mm -hmm. can breathe again. It was intense, but you know, we did it and that video shows what we did. I mean, I had to hire people and get rid of aluminum pans and bring in my cast iron and reach out even more to all Mm -hmm. my connections to get, you know, healthier fats. So that's how I kind of worked my way in. (laughs) So my listeners know that I'm always looking for epic and this is truly epic. And I really want to encourage you all that are listening to go to our show notes page and watch the video. It's just amazing. You've done an incredible job. So thank you for that, Hillary. Thank you. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it. Okay. I know. I've been thinking. Well, one of the biggest, and I don't know whether it's a failure or just a pivotal time in my life where I felt rejected. A learning? A learning, yes, definitely a time in my life. I mean, okay, so this goes back to when I was 13, and I tried out for the state soccer team, and I didn't make it, and all of my friends made it. And I just remember being so upset, like, oh my gosh, I didn't make it. And soccer was like a big part of my life, and I had played since I was five, and I felt that rejection of like, oh my gosh, wow, like I'm not good enough. And something inside of me, I was that kid that like went out to my backyard or my driveway even and practiced every day and like kicked the ball against the wall, against the wall, against the wall. I'd ride my bike to the park and like play, play, play because I wanted it so badly. And I came back the following year and tried out again and made like the state team and I made the regional team and even onto like the national pools. I definitely looking back, I wasn't a born athlete. It just was that inner drive 
and determination and that vision of what I wanted for myself. Or I watched people play and I'm like, I want that. Like, I want to do what that person's doing. And so realizing that we have that capability, even if you think you're not, you know, born a runner or whatever it may be or a chef or whatever, it just takes that drive. You know, so with my kids, I say, like, you know, I'm not going to schlep you all over town for a football practice if you're not committed to it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So that was a big learning experience in my life. Like I always know, like even if things don't come easy to me, that practice and effort and desire play a huge role in your success. Yeah. And not giving up. And not giving up. Yeah. So what do you consider your biggest success? I mean, my children, of course. I'm so, you know, amazed that I have these five amazing children that just run so deep. My sixth baby, I guess is my book. I feel like, you know, it was just sort of this little engine that could and the first publisher that we had was just like, you have to put paleo on the front or it's never going to sell and you're shooting yourself in the foot. And I just stayed true to my heart. I was like, this is not a paleo book. It's very similar and it's in the, you know, philosophy of foods that are good and bad, but it's not. It's a healing diet, a specific protocol. And I just get letters and I get testimonials all the time from people around the world just saying, thank you. And Mm -hmm wow, you know, we've healed with food alone. And so it's really, I just posted on my Instagram a month or so ago, this little boy, this woman posted was like wrapped in gauze, head to toe, he looked like a little mummy because he was so covered in eczema. And a year into the GAPS diet, she showed like several pictures that I reposted. He was so incredibly healed. I mean, he still had a ways to go, but the difference was just unbelievable. Yeah. So it's that type of thing that just makes me really proud. And I feel like that was, you know, I'm helping make a difference in the world. So what drives you? Keeping kids out of the medical system. I mean, the, my experience of what we've seen with disease and how destructive it is, is just to be able to help people prevent that is my drive because I feel like it's so preventable. I mean, people do not have to be struggling the way they are. You know, I don't know all the answers and I know there's just, like I said, there's layers and there's addiction and there's so much confusion. And that's why just turning back to the way things used to be. And I can remember Sandeep saying from Pure Indian Foods, don't go buy things that have been around for only 20 years or even 50 years or five years or as a new fad. He's like, go on ancient tradition, things that have been around for thousands of years that people have thrived on eating and lifestyles. I mean, that's another thing I've learned is that it's not all about food. It is about lifestyle and surrounding yourself with community. And that's one thing I love about the school is that like the kids sit down and they eat together and they eat with their teachers and Mm -hmm. their peers and have conversations. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. I'm driven by that knowledge that I know it's possible that we don't have to suffer like we are. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? I would hands down say Nourishing Traditions by Sally Fallon. Mm -hmm. That book, she changed my life. I mean, Weston Price, for those people who don't know, was a dentist in the 20s and 30s who had patients coming into his office and with cavities and narrowing of the jaw and crooked teeth. And he's like, oh, things didn't used to be like this. And he traveled around the world to find, I mean, long story short, to try and find people living traditionally that were free of disease. And he did. He found, you know, he found these little pockets around the world. And thank God he did the research. I mean, people can dive deeper into that, but he wrote a book, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, but he found people thriving free of disease with perfectly straight teeth and green slime on their teeth because they don't even brush them, but they were perfectly healthy. And then one generation removed, when in came the white flour and the white sugar with narrowing of the jaw and the crooked teeth and cavities and whatnot. And Sally Fallon started this foundation and she wrote this book on traditional foods. And the first 80 pages are a very good base for nutrition. And she just 
really changed my life. I mean, even if you don't follow, everything in the book can be a little bit overwhelming. I remember everything is like got whey in it and fermented with whey. And I'm like, what is whey? And where am I going to get it? I don't know what I'm doing. So, you know, for people to just buy the book and just take it in steps or chunks or whatever, but just know that it's a nonprofit and she's at the core of her being, I feel like, is to spread the same message, really, that if we just turn back, that we don't need to be sick. Beautiful. And they're very supportive of mothers and babies and children's health and all that. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? There's so many things, but in reflecting upon this year and how I worked really, really hard to get this program up and running, it definitely took its toll on my body. I worked a lot of long hours and it was stressful. I mean, I was also going through a divorce, which was added stress. But I've realized so much that so many of us that want to try and make big changes in the world can let our own health be compromised by trying to do it all. And so self-care and slowing down and really taking time to do other things, to have go have fun with friends and you want to change the world, but you don't have to do it all, all in one day. Because, you know, as Ariana Huffington wrote about, like, you know, it's a lot of these people that want to make big changes that end up like dropping out of a heart attack or committing suicide or, you know, so I've just realized like that life does go pretty fast. And my triplets are now teenagers going to high school, which is like so hard to believe. And my daughter will be like, mom, can you just slow down? Like you're working so much. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to slow down like I have to get this done and with food like you you have to get it done but so setting up the systems in my life and the organization and the structure to build in the support that I need and to delegate and teach other people and I just realize like I can't do it all my own Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's what we want is for other people to empower other people. So really not feeling guilty. I think I was raised a little bit that doing things for myself was unnecessary in some ways, you know, that's like self-care, proper sleep, proper nutrition, and bring in the community, ask for help. People want to help. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Hillary. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Well, anybody can email me direct at HillaryHBoynton at Gmail. So Hillary with one L, H-I-L-A-R-Y-H, and then Boynton, B-O-Y-N-T-O-N at Gmail. I'm on Instagram, which is at LiveYumYum, L-I-V-E-Y-U-M-Y-U-M. That's where I'm most active. Mm -hmm. I I usually share to Facebook, but Instagram is sort of that one place where I try and put a picture up every day. I've been doing it for a couple of years now. So it's like what my family's eating, what I'm cooking at school and sort of the whole journey of food and trying to inspire people. And liveyumyum.com. I mean, I still need to do lots of web updating and stuff, but I guess Instagram and email are probably the best ways to get a hold of me. Perfect. Thank you. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash the lunch lady. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Claiming your inner urban farmer is easy. Grow food, share it, and name your farm. Then let the world know you're an urban farmer while supporting our podcast. Pick up your urban farmer bling, hats, and t-shirts at imanurbanfarmer.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. 
Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.